assume it takes Sasha's Rev to beat Felix Ogielia's or for Felix Ogielia's to beat Sasha's Rev to complete this week's podcast? I think we should have long enough, as, as long as there's not an injury. That's the, <laughs> that's the main concern. We have had a retirement this week, but uh, yeah, I think... We should be okay. Yeah, it, it could be a lot. I'm keeping an eye on things out of the corner. So if I suddenly disappear and you find yourself talking to yourself, uh, apologies. <laughs> but I've had to. I've had to get back. So what? What's your match then after? Sasha. Coming up after this, a result that by the time this podcast goes out, people will know it's Roberto Bautista Agut against Rafa Nadal. It's all these, is he fit? How fit is he? He's going for title number 12 in, in Monte Carlo. There's a, the hotel in the main hotel in Monte Carlo has the, the penthouse is, is named after Nadal. So Barcelona, the tournament next week, I think they're very clever. They're a 500 level tournament. I think they're very clever because they've named the main court after Nadal. So it's Piste de Nadal. I think that's brilliant because if he ever thought, well, maybe I won't, he's won a titles there but if you ever thought I might not go to Barcelona this year you're always going to go back to the tournament that's named their centre court after you that's the one tournament you're not going to miss yeah and I think there would be a fight for which tournaments would name their courts after him because you can't just all do it you can't just have every clay court stadium in in the world (laughs) just named the Nadal stadium and they've done they've been really smart they got in there before he's retired because it's it's normally a thing you would do post-retirement you know you know reviewing the life and career of Nadal you'd think we should name our court after him but uh, they said no we're doing it now so that nobody else can I wonder if anybody else will I think they're absolutely spot on but as you say they can't all do but I think Barcelona have done well so um, this week he's playing on, on Court Rainier the third or Court Rainier Trois in, in Monte Carlo it's a tournament he he was always going to aim for and come to because you've got to think about this clay court season for Nadal he talks about how the hard court's not good for his body he's got nearly 5,000 points to defend coming up here from from Monte Carlo onward so that's my next match It's it's been enjoyable so far the weather's been pretty cold you don't want to complain when you're working on the tournament in Monte Carlo because it's Monte Carlo. But the weather's been pretty cold. People desperately trying to keep their sunglasses on. Pointless because it's been cloudy and it's been overcast. And it's been a bit drizzly. Yeah, but it's Monte Carlo. So you have to wear sunglasses. It's Monte Carlo. You can't, you couldn't possibly sit around with no sunglasses on. <laughs> Which is exactly what I'm seeing around the courts. But the sun's come out. It's looking a little bit better. It's underway. But it's interesting since... We spoke last week about clay and you pretty much said that you couldn't be bothered. And that was right, wasn't it? You couldn't be bothered to put in the effort on clay. I, and I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure. I'm not sure that's how I was. I'm sure that's a direct quote because I think I put it politely. And then you said to me, no, I actually couldn't be bothered to put in the time. I'm pretty sure if... No, I said I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> it wasn't I couldn't be bothered. Which is along those lines, Right. Is that is that along those okay, lines? And fair enough. Same kind of bracket. I'll give you that one. Fine, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> but it's interesting. I've, I've just been looking at the clay a little bit differently in terms of of the players who love this surface and are very natural, like the others who've got to work a little bit harder. And just looking at the the year as as a whole, you just assume you flip through all these surfaces and do everything you can on all these surfaces. But I just thought it was quite interesting the point you made. There'll be some players who it might actually detract from the 
the strong elements of their game, putting everything into this chunk of the season that's played on clay. So I've spent a lot more time sort of looking at players and, and how they're moving and how they're adapting to the clay. And you come into Monte Carlo and, and some have played a tournament, some haven't. So even we saw Novak Djokovic, it was his first match against Philip Kohlschreiber on the clay. And he looked grumpy, he looked irritable. And we have to remember that firstly, these guys are human. The, the Nadals and the Djokovic's and, and the Federer's. But they're coming into a set. They've also had to adapt, doesn't matter how much they've been practicing, but adapt, moving their game from the hard courts to the clay. So I think you might have actually got me looking a little differently at the clay. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I think it's something that people underestimate. There's one thing, say you are a, a faster court specialist and you go onto the clay and... And yes, the movement's difficult. It's always going to be a challenge, but you're just trying to win a few matches, pick up any points as, as much as you can. It's a bonus, really, isn't it? Um, but actually, by playing the clay court season and by playing a full season, it can be detrimental. I was talking to you, I think, on the last pod, we were talking about how if you, as a youngster kind of coming up, if you went and spent a year or two on clay, which is what a lot of coaches would recommend, that it can actually have some negative effects on your game. And I felt like it did on my game as well. I didn't do a year or two on clay, but I did do some good chunks. But even just in, on the short term, if, if you're a player, I don't know, ranked 60 or 70, and you specialise on the grass, for example, you love the faster surfaces, clay's a real struggle. Even just by playing the clay court season, it is so close to the grass court season, which is so short. I mentioned that, say, for my game, I would lose a bit off my lefty swinger because you just don't hit it on the clay because there's no point. And I would lose a bit of pop off my serve. I would also push my ready position back deeper in the court. So you just naturally sit a little bit deeper. And all of those things, you go right into the grass court season where you need to pick up the most points possible because that is where you specialise. You can't take a couple of weeks to sort that out. It's such a short season. You have to be kind of right out of the gate. So it's something that I think players need to consider as well and interestingly I uh, was um, I've been at the National Tennis Centre recently and we've got Fed Cup this weekend I'm sure we'll talk about that but saw some of the, the British players around and was catching up with them and I was having a chat with some of the coaches and some of the parents and I, I was actually um, having a conversation and uh, found out that uh, Katie Bolt is going to commit to her clay court season this year well post Fed Cup uh, and really give it a good go, which she's never done before. But it's just an interesting consideration. Okay, what will that then do to the grass court season? Because she's not ever fully committed to the clay. She's, you know, she'll turn up to Roland Garros and kind of have a punt, but will it affect her game if she plays a full kind of four or five weeks and really tries to embrace it on the clay? You know, will she lose a pop on her serve? Will she lose her positioning? Will she lose the aggressive mindset on the first strike? Who knows? Because you, you could just lose like 5% and that could make a dramatic difference. So it's an interesting part that I think coaches and players need to manage and navigate uh, as, as best as possible. And you get a lot of players and coaches and teams that will say, right, we're going to play the clay court season, but you're just going to play your game. You're just playing on a different surface. We're going to work a little bit on the sliding, but in terms of your game, it does not change. Everything's exactly the same. And you just go for it because they don't want any of those negative effects. Why not just skip it altogether? People do. 
people uh, definitely skip the whole clay. Uh, as I say, particularly the lower ranked players, uh, particularly those, I mean, the bracket I sat in for quite some time, ranked between 100 and 200, playing qualifying of slams. A lot of people do. Laura Robson did it one year. She went out to, because you've got the AstroTurf tournaments out in Japan and they're big challenger events. And uh, a lot of players will go and play them. But then it's Roland Garros. It's a slam. You don't want to not play. So what happens is they just miss the entire clay court season and then turn up to Roland Garros having not played a single match on clay. And they're basically just turning up and thinking, oh, let's just give it a go and see what happens. And there are a few players that do that. Likewise, a few players do that with the grass at Wimbledon. A lot of the clay quarters just turn up having not really played and just kind of go, well, let's just see what happens. And sometimes you actually win a match. And I remember there was one year at Roland Garros where two players... They were in the qualifying of Roland Garros, but both of them, they were British players, had gone out to Japan to play on the AstroTurf. Didn't want to, didn't want to embrace the clay. They didn't want to do it. But then they came back, came to Roland Garros, a little bit jet lagged, not played on the surface, and they drew each other. <laughs> so <laughs> it was this hilarious match of neither of these players have played a single second on clay. They just, they just couldn't play at a high level. And then suddenly they were both turning up with the mindset of like, well, I'm probably going to lose, aren't I? Uh, so, but let's just give it a go. Uh, but then suddenly they're playing against somebody that they know is also of the same mindset. And then suddenly they're like, oh, maybe I'll win. And then, <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was really funny, but it was a really, really long match, like deep into the third set. I don't know what the final score was, but that was, uh, you know, that can happen. Something unusual that happened on Tuesday in Monte Carlo was I, I suddenly saw your wedding shoes. Now, it's not something I expected to see on <laughs> on, on Tuesday in Monte Carlo, but it, it wasn't you. It was It was just your feet and your wedding shoes well I just sent you a message because I was listening to you working on ATP tennis radio and you know living the glamorous lifestyle that is Monte Carlo and uh, I've decided on the shoes that I'm wearing so I'm just kind of wearing them around the house to break them in just wearing them as much as I can and uh, yeah not going outside of them I don't want to make them dirty so I just sent you a video where you could see my feet but it's weird because I'm wearing jeans and socks and then like really nice wedding shoes like really nice shoes uh, but yeah I'm just trying to break them in as I was listening to you and doing my research ahead of Fed Cup this weekend is it the same as a wedding dress can Ben not see your shoes or do we not worry so much about the shoes just the dress no he's seen the shoes that's fine I've, I want to wear them around the house so they can at least be comfortable when I'm wearing them on the day. So, yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. I did think of you recently, though, because Caroline Wozniacki had her Hindu, or is it, what's it called? It's a bachelorette party. Ah, oh, right, that's yeah. the That's the American version, isn't it? Um, and they were, they, I think they were in Bahamas. They went to the island where the pigs, swimming pigs, the island there. Serena Williams was there, Nicole Gibbs from the tennis playing point of view and then a number of other friends and they were all in sort of swimming costumes that had their names on or etc etc and they were singing and doing all sorts of bits and pieces and I was I was wondering if I don't actually I don't think I've received an invite to your your Hindu um, but if it's going to be in the Bahamas with swimming pigs <laughs> you know well I'm not haven't been told anything about it so I don't know uh, what do you even know happening? when it is? I know when it is, yes. And you haven't been invited because you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're busy because I know your schedule. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's busy. It's Roland Garros finals weekend, so I assume you will be in Paris. Oh yes, I won't be able to to make it. And if it involves sort of islands and flying pigs and veils and things, I will I will watch from <laughs> afar. That would be great, wouldn't it? I'll be in Paris as well, obviously. 
but uh, I am. I'll be leaving on kind of the Thursday because I'm not needed for the the finals. But we don't need like a whole team of people, do we, for the final? So I'll be leaving on about Thursday, and then yeah, on the Friday I've been told a time to turn up at the train station, and that's it. Who knows where we're going? There may be a pig involved. That would be that would be a highlight for me. Do you, do you need your passport? I mean, you'll have it if you're coming straight from France. But do you know if that's a if that's a, an essential part of turning up at this train station? I've been told that I don't need my passport. So it's not the Bahamas. So I'm not missing out. <laughs> it's not the Bahamas, unless they're kind of smuggling me in somehow. Uh, yeah, so I think it's probably going to be UK-based. But it's interesting with, with, with tennis players, and, and for your Hindu, they're working around your working in the media, but your tennis schedule. Tennis players have got to take any opportunity. So you either find these things happen if someone has a long-term injury. There might be an engagement or a wedding or, or possibly a, a Hindu or a, a stag do, but they have to use the downtime because the calendar is so incessant. There's just very small windows when they have this opportunity, when they can go out and do something like this. Yeah, and uh, it's just a kind of a running joke that uh, my wedding was kind of designed around the, the tennis schedule. And anybody I speak to in, in tennis, I say, oh, yeah, well, I obviously had to plan my wedding and the dates and things around tennis calendar. And they say, oh, week after Wimbledon. <laughs> like, yeah, because it's either the week after Wimbledon or it's basically the end of the year. So you're looking at a winter sort of wedding like November December when it's the off season those are kind of the two main breaks that we have I mean it's a short break after Wimbledon but most people will be taking a couple of weeks off because you're well over halfway through the season everybody's quite tired there are some small events on there are still tournaments going but on the whole most people would uh, take a little bit of a rest after that and have a quick quick holiday when do you head off for Fed Cup and what are you up to for Fed Cup well Fed Cup, it's U... I was going to say, it's UK. It's not UK. (laughs) (laughs) Fed Cup is Great Britain against uh, Kazakhstan at the Copper Box in... I like how you're nodding, being, yes, you are correct, (laughs) because I'm not sounding very sure of myself, am I? I'm just... I'm here for for reassurance purposes. (laughs) Good. It's like when you're playing a match, you look over at your box and just do a quick nod, yep. Good, you're doing well. Okay, good. Or they, or they totally ignore you altogether. Yeah, look down at the shoes. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not the UK. What are you talking about? So yeah, we've got Britain against Kazakhstan at the Copper Box in what's in Stratford in the Olympic Park. That's Saturday and Sunday this weekend. I just can't wait. I genuinely, I saw a picture. So Stephen Farrow, who who works for the LTA and uh, and does he runs Queens and he's organising this event. He's put a picture up of the court when it was being laid, and genuinely I got quite emotional because nothing like this has ever happened in my lifetime being a player in terms of it's women's tennis. It's there's there's no men involved. I mean there'll be men there, but there's, there's no men playing. Yeah, can we just say men are allowed? Yeah, so men are allowed. <laughs> But uh, it's just it's a women's only event. It's in London. There's, I think it seats seven and a half thousand people. It's pretty much sold out. I mean, I, we have Eastbourne and Birmingham, but they're really well established events as a one-off event in London. Like there's just never been anything like this. It's an indoor tournament. The t- the atmosphere is going to be extraordinary. I just I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. I'll be working for Five Live for the weekend, and. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun. I just, I just can't wait. And do you know, it's one of my favourite things is commentating on my friends. Like, I just love it. So, you know, commentating on Katie Bolter is gonna be great. And 
whether it's Joe or Heather or Harriet, Katie Swan, all of them, you know, it's just, it's, it's going to be brilliant. And of course, knowing Anne Kjothevong so well, it's going to be brilliant. I have to say, though, there is an edge. And that edge is, if we lose, wow, it's going to be devastating for the team. I mean, it was pretty devastating when we lost to Japan last year, but we were away. It came down to the deciding doubles. It was a pretty good draw. Um, we didn't know what Osaka was on her path to do, but... I mean, in terms of draws, it, it was not the worst one we could have got. The year before, we played Romania out in Romania. I mean, nightmare. We talked about that last week, didn't we, in terms of Contra on the clay against Halep. It was just so one-sided. This is, a, again, this is a very, very good draw. And we're at home. I reckon on paper it's 50-50. But we're at home and we've got the crowd. So I think we've got the edge. But if we lose, we go all the way back down to the bottom again. We have to beat five nations to get out of this group. This is the the last one if we get over, and if not, it's snakes and ladders all the way back down to the bottom. So it will be hard that three years in a row we've lost at this stage. The first one was understandable, Romania away. The second one was a big opportunity that, you know, just kind of, it, it went away, but I probably would have said we weren't quite the favourites for it. But this one, yeah, it, it, will be, it will be tough to take if we lose. But, Let's just win and then it'll be fine. <laughs> and the good thing about working for Five Life is you don't have to be neutral. You can just go crazy for your friends, for Great Britain. Because working on Monte Carlo, we should be neutral. ATP Tennis Radio broadcast around the world. But the problem is we now have this predictions mm. competition where we've talked about this before. But during Masters events, we pick someone one to eight, nine to 16, then someone from the rest of the field and you get points for you get the same points as the player would get for where they finish, which sounds straightforward enough. But you start wanting all these very, very strange results. So one of my picks is Diego Schwartzman. Diego Schwartzman was taking on Kyle Edmund. So I was pretty torn because any other match, I'd want Kyle Edmund to come through. So I'm commentating and it's seesawing this way and that. And Edmund had the edge and he looked like he was going to do it. And then Diego Schwartzman started to turn things around. And I, I found myself getting excited about that because he was going to go through from a predictions point of view. So it's sort of, it's, it's very difficult, these predictions. I've, I've figured out, though, that you have to pick players that you not necessarily like as a person because you don't generally know them, but you like watching. Yeah. Because you might think X is an astonishing player, but you don't actually like their style of play or like watching them. You've then got to root for this person. So I've, I, the one thing I have figured out is the people I pick. So I've picked... Rafa Nadal to win. It might not be my favourite player to watch, but he's won 11 titles here, so I'm not going to be daft. And then David Goffa, who I like watching, and Diego Schwartzman, because you like watching and you're happy for them to win and you want them to win, but it's causing it's causing all sorts. Are you still in the predictions competition? Have you still got any players left? It was a rough start. <laughs> I picked Songa because he's been playing brilliantly. And I was listening to your commentary alongside Claire Curran when he was on, when I was out with the dog. And you were, you were saying he was looking brilliant. He was moving so effortlessly on the clay. And Claire was talking about how, oh, he's just got it all under control. And then suddenly he couldn't move. I don't know what happened. Something locked up. And then you, then you both said, oh, this doesn't look good. And then not long later, he pulled out. So yeah. that was done. I thought he was going to be a dark horse because he was my unseeded player. What a great unseeded player to have in Songa. Are you kidding me? Uh, and then I had Borna, or oh, I have Borna Chorich. Did he nearly lose? He nearly lost. He nearly lost to Jaume Muna, the, the Spaniard, but he managed to... to you've got to have faith in your picks. He managed to, to... I've got all three playing today. 
So it's, it's going it's to be... Right. Well, I've got Rafa as well, so... See, and, and someone was saying to me that they thought that you would pick sort of out their choices and be a little bit different, but you've gone very, you've gone very safe in Nadal. Well, I mean, because it's an adult. I have stated, and I'm going to say this again, I have stated on air at ATP Tennis Radio that I will not pick Djokovic at all this year. Apart from Why? apart from in the time capsule, I have picked him for Wimbledon, I think. So where's this come from? But in terms of our, for the Masters, I've just decided, because everybody was saying to me, oh, aren't you supposed to be different and all this sort of stuff? So I said, fine, I'm not gonna, I haven't picked Djokovic so far. I won't pick Djokovic for the rest of the year then. So you've picked the 11-time Monte Carlo winner? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? Oh, that's different. Well, you've got <laughs> so you, You've really gone out on a limb there. <laughs> oh, did you see? Oh, did you see the ATP put up the video of when he was 16, when he first played in Monte Carlo? Yes. Oh, it's adorable. Yes. It's just, it's, it's literally like a, a, a mini Rafa. Who knew he was going to turn into this absolute beast? Uh, but his movements are uh, unbelievable. I mean, his legs, he doesn't, doesn't look 16 by the way <laughs> it looks like he's 20 uh but it was so nice to see that and to think wow that was a really long time ago and you can't i mean nadal and monte carlo are one and the same aren't they they you can't really separate the two they both can you imagine monte carlo without nadal and can you imagine nadal without monte carlo it just doesn't work does it but that was so it was so nice he looked so young <laughs> it was great have you ever drunk or eaten charcoal you know i i have i've had it as a drink what are your thoughts on it really odd Odd, bizarre. I think it's a complete fad, complete health fad. It was this like alkaline charcoal water or something, which is black water. I mean, it just tasted like water, but about three times as expensive. So <laughs> I had it out in the States years ago. A friend of mine, I think she was looking to get a bit of revenge because she's my friend who drank the pickle juice shot that I bought back from the Australian Open that I'd had in my fridge for about a year. She came round and said she was feeling, you know, a bit tired, lacking a bit of energy. And I said, I've got just the thing for you. I won't touch it. And she downed it. And I, I just, ugh, it made me sort of shiver at the thought of it. Um, recently, she just happened to sort of casually drop off a little, a charcoal and apple shot, which I've done exactly what I did with the pickle juice. I put it in the door of my fridge and it shall not move until someone, maybe you come round and say... Oh, I'm thirsty. I need a little just sort of pick me up and I can sort of slide this shot over to you. Why won't you drink it? Well, I just, it looks weird. I don't want to drink a black drink and I don't necessarily want to drink charcoal. Do we know what it's meant to do for us? Oh, something that's nonsense. I don't know. But I, just just give it a whirl. It's not going to kill you. It's fine. Well, I hope it's not going to kill me if they're selling something that's quite dangerous. But I just, I just don't really fancy. Was there any fad that you were into as a player? Is there any drink or food or something you had to do as a player oh a fad oh well we had these well, it wasn't really a fad but we had these teeny tiny bottles so even smaller than your pickle juice shot so really small bottles and it had it was concentrated electrolytes so that means that it's not electrolytes because it's concentrated but basically it was just salt water but unbelievable unbelievably salty this water and what you would do is you have your big bottle of water and you just pop it in the top and you just give a squirt you know basically the same as you can do that with squash now you've got the you know the round black 
things and you just carry them around with you and you just put a squeeze a little shot of of squash and it squirts out and makes your water much nicer in my opinion <laughs> I go through a lot of squash in my life but there's this one so it was this salt and you would just pop it in the top of your drink and you would just see how much water you've got and then you squirt in the um, the um, the appropriate amount and we used to play tricks on people because when it was a new thing people would say oh what's this and you say oh it's just something you just squirt it in your mouth and uh, I remember getting one of the coaches to do that and just squirt it in his mouth and like nearly made him sick because obviously it's like so it's such concentrated salt it's just like taking a mouthful of salt it was horrendous worse than seawater I mean it's so so concentrated you need like a drop in your massive two litre bottle of water yeah whenever anybody did it it was just like a knee-jerk reaction like oh just squirt a bit in your mouth and see whether you like it and then uh, carnage i currently have a man looking at me and i don't know who this man is because i've come to find somewhere quiet to speak to you because as you know tournaments etc they're, they're quite noisy there's people there's people everywhere it's busy especially in the first few days it, it's fine if it's towards the end of the semi-final and final because a lot of people disappear whether it's media outlets or just there are rooms free there's nothing free on a on a Wednesday so I, I found a room a quiet room where we could talk together and there's a man that's staring at me through the window and I don't know who he is and I don't know what he wants and I don't know if he wants me to move but I'm doing a little bit like the the coaching box to the player I'm ignoring him <laughs> I'm just I'm ref, I'm refusing I think he really wants eye contact but I'm just I'm just I'm not looking. I'm sort of... You would be a terrible coach. You can't do that to your player. You can't just not look at them. That's what all coaches... How many times do you look at a coaching box? And they're... Come on. And they're looking at the floor or they've got sunglasses on and they're looking straight ahead. No. I think on the whole, they will definitely make eye contact and give a little bit of reassurance. But occasionally... I mean, they can't just stare at the player the entire time. Occasionally, they just happen to not be looking. It just always seems when the camera goes round or you look down, they're just looking anywhere. But but I feel if I make eye contact with this gentleman who's probably perfectly nice, it might be the end of our podcast. Yeah, no, don't, don't, just don't look away, look away. It's fine. Well, have you seen the the coaches where they they sit and they so desperately want the eye contact from the player that they're just staring at them as soon as the point finishes? <laughs> they're just like looking at them, going, "Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me." <laughs> <laughs> they clearly have something they want to say and then the player finally looks at them and they go come on <laughs> that's it what what are you doing why is that it's so desperate to get your message across and all your or it's something like right here or this one or something generic because you're not really allowed to say too much else but uh, I, that always entertains me you would be very calm in a coaching box I think if I was a player and you were my coach which would just be the weirdest thing in the world anyway then I think you'd be quite calm I think if I if I was losing which would be a high probability and I looked over I think you'd just be looking sort of quite stony faced and calm what do you think yeah I'm quite I, I, I try especially you're not a fit you're not a fist pumper I don't think you're a fist pumper. no uh, because I mean I, I haven't worked with anybody that needs the fist pumping they want it but they're not going to get it <laughs> but if you work with somebody who's very calm and needs more animation then of course you know that's that's what you've got to try and do at the side but most of the players I mean I've mainly worked with younger players so when I whenever I've been uh, alongside them I just try and be very neutral and matter of fact as well and I try and not ride the score with them so if they play a point that's really good but they lose it I will kind of clap and say, yep, really good. And if they play an awful point and they win it, 
they'll look at me and go, come on. And I'll just shrug my shoulders and be like, I mean, what was that? That's, that's not acceptable. <laughs> and I remember when I first worked with this junior, we were at this, this junior tournament and uh, uh, we were abroad. I think we were in Uzbekistan. And she didn't know what was going on because she'd never, I was just, I wasn't her actual coach. I was just traveling with this group and she'd never experienced that before. So she played one point where, we were trying to get her to be more aggressive. So she played one point where she retreated all the way back and she was basically just tapping the ball over. She ended up winning the point because the girl hit a dry volley into the net and, uh, and then kind of looks at me with this big roar and like, yes, yes. And I said, no, no, please don't do that again. <laughs> please, please don't do that. She's not going to keep missing dry volleys. <laughs> She's not that bad. She may have missed one. But I'd feel quite deflated if I got it. However, I got the winner, but I got the winner. And then I looked to you with a kind of a roar and a fist pump. We're in this together, aren't we, coach? And you kind of shrugged your shoulders or looked down at the ground. I think I'd feel quite deflated. Aren't you meant to be kind of saying, you know, you, a win is a win, right? You want them to win and you're kind of, yeah, great. No, no, not at that age, though. That's the thing. I, I get it when they're older. So, you know, the players we're watching at Masters and Premiers and at, at Slams, like, of course, I, I, I get it. Coaches just want players to get over the line however they can and they don't really mind. Uh, but, yeah, I, as a junior, I just think it's really important to make clear and not encourage juniors to play the wrong sort of tennis because it will get them the wins. Because junior tennis is very different. So, for example, if you hack it up high to a junior player, particularly on the girls' side, girls aren't fully developed, particularly in the upper body. So they're really weak up high on the backhand side. So really, a number one tactic is just to hack it up high to the backhand and you'll probably get an error. But it's something that just doesn't work when you get older I mean hack the ball up high to Serena's backhand and see what happens good luck did I tell you that I went when I went to Roland Garros last week for a few meetings to have a look around ahead of the French this year uh, I got the confirmation that there will be no clay courts available for you and I to use which is a massive shame and I said are you sure you cannot find one because Naomi really wants to teach me to slide and they said I'm afraid there's absolutely <laughs> nothing that's going to be available oh what a shame that is disappointing I'll, you know I'll try and work my mag magic when we get there no I, d I don't think you need to no don't worry but I think that, you know, the, the decision seems to have been made that it's okay give me I'm going to have to go quite shortly. It's going to be one of our shortest podcasts because at the moment, Sasha Zverev is actually doing his thing quite comfortably against Felix Ogialiasim. A young player wants to go out on a clay court after listening to this. Three pieces of advice you would give them. They haven't played that much before. What three things, what bits of advice? So, okay. So they haven't played what on clay much before or just in general on clay much before they kind of avoided it thinking I don't think I'm going to be that good I don't think I'm going to feel that comfortable on it maybe they've listened to a couple of things or they're getting caught up in the fact that the clay is upon us and they want to give it a go what three things or maybe it's just one main thing what bits of advice well I'd say absolutely practice some sliding before you start even if you just spend five minutes just feeling the clay under your feet even if you just do little ice skating moves even if you're not doing a full slide but just feel that it moves under your feet definitely the number one thing the second thing I think is to use your height on your shots uh, really use height with lots of spin and lots of speed because it will then jump off the court really high and the third thing is buy lots of socks because you're going to have to throw them away <laughs> they will be very red there is a lot of I've seen Roger Federer posting on Instagram saying look down at these haven't seen this for a while with the clay all over them and, and Nick Kyrgios did a post saying why do I do this why am I here with 
with clay absolutely everywhere. So that would be that would be the advice you'd give to someone if they want to sort of if they're caught up in the whole clay court season. Yeah, exactly. And be careful. You can't put your racket on the floor because then you get clay on your grip. You can't put your bag on the floor because then you get clay in it. You need bags to put your shoes in because there's clay all over the place. You're going to have clay everywhere. All It's going to be everywhere. You're going to be finding it. It's like when you go to the beach and you roll around on the beach, you find sand for days in like your ear and various different oh. places. That's <laughs> another reason why I don't think that clay and I and you would be success because the beach and the sand is it's just the worst thing and then you have children and you're chasing children around smothering them in cream that's covered in sand and oh it's just oh I have a chicken pox update for you oh right number two now has chicken pox oh man what just as number one is done just lit quite literally oh. quite literally <laughs> as the last spot has faded on number one number two we thought oh we've pretty much we knew we had a couple of we had a bit of a window and we thought if we get to i think it's thursday this week we should be fine i saw one spot and i did exactly what i did with the other twin i said no i'm sure that's fine it's this little spot and then this morning had a quick look and thought Right. Okay. There's an awful lot of spots going on there. But as with his brother, so far it seems spotty but mild and we should be okay and we can get this done during the Easter holidays. Because it's again just trying to get it out of the way when they're young. So yes, we're getting chicken pox out of the system, out of the way. So that is, that's my, um, it was fairly short chicken pox update for you. So that is nearly done. Well, it's ongoing, isn't it? Unfortunately, you've got another week. I suppose. Yep, thank you very much for that. Yep. <laughs> We've got another week. So I, I can't really make it any better than it is. <laughs> You've got chicken box round two. Chicken box round two, but, uh, well, it, it could be worse. It could be triplets. <laughs> so always, <laughs> always going to look at the positives. In my case, it's twins, which means we are on the... How many times have you thought that in your life? <laughs> We're on the second of two, so I think we should be done by the end of this. But you're going to have a busy weekend fed cup at the copper box i will i'll try and listen yes. in when i can around the monte carlo matches but um i'm going to have to get back to monte carlo life if that's right because sasha zverev is uh, is speeding through he's taken that first set so i'm gonna to have to shortly get back to action well you've got to make sure you pop, pop on your massive sunglasses though i don't think you'll be allowed in without them they don't really work in a commentary box looks a bit daft <laughs> <laughs> well enjoy the view it's a lovely view to look at the, the, your clay court advice was better than your sunglasses in commentary box advice but, but, but thank you very much and um, enjoy the weekend and we're going to have uh, we're going to have a lot to chat about next week yes well if the, if the matches get boring just stare at the sea and the yachts and have a, have a nice time you can dream I can dream about what could have been and what never will be <laughs> 